You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning again, everybody. Good to see you all here this morning. I want to uh, welcome those of you who are listening by podcast as well today as we wrap up this message series that we've been in over the last month entitled HD Life. And I want to encourage you, if you would, to take out your bulletin notes that you'll find there. You can also go into the Riverside app and follow along with the content there in the live event notes uh, portion of um, of your um, app there. You can also go into um, the bulletins, as I said, and find the the notes, the paper notes there. You also have some uh, Bibles that are under the racks, under the chairs there. If you'd like to follow along there, you can do that, and you can always use the hashtag uh, HDLifeRCC if you'd like to post some thoughts from what you're hearing God say today. If you're a guest with us this morning or you're newer to the church, I want to bring you up to speed real quick as you're kind of coming in in the last chapter here of this five-week series. And this idea of HD life over these last several weeks, we have really been trying to hone in on the idea that God has created us for an HD life, but the enemy of our souls wants us to settle for SD. He wants us to settle for less than what he really, uh, what God has in store for us. And so we've been challenging you each week in this series to upgrade your life. And in the first message, we really talked about the fact that Jesus came and he said, you know what? I came to give you an abundant, rich, vivid, abundant life. And so we said that Jesus gave us the opportunity by dying on the cross for us to upgrade our lives. And then we talked about the fact that Jesus also said that the enemy of our souls desires to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to distort that HD life. And so this metaphor has been woven throughout the series over these last several weeks. We talked about upgrading our relationships, and we gave you an opportunity in the second weekend to connect with others in HD small groups. Then in the the third week, we talked about the whole idea of contributing to the world around us and having HD service, not having a life that's focused on us, but on others. And we gave you the opportunity to sign up for service serving opportunities around the church. Last week, we invited some guest missionaries in that helped us to do a case study of what an HD life really looks like, uh, especially out on the front lines on the fields where Jesus is doing some amazing work in other countries. Today, we want to land in our final core value, which really speaks to the idea of HD worship, HD reverence, and what does that really mean for us? So, out of the get-go, uh, out of the gate this morning, I want to ask you a very deep theological question that I'm sure over the course of your lifetime you have asked yourself more than once. In fact, it's possible that when you woke up this morning, this was the burning question on your heart, that perhaps time and time again down through the years and the decades of your life, you have wrestled with this question. You have pondered this question. You've met with others and you've discussed this question. It's been a topic at work. It's been a topic around your dinner table. And here's the very deep central question to begin with today. And that question is simply this. Why is it that celebrities are so weird? I mean, seriously, didn't you wake up this morning and that was the first thing on your heart, your mind? Why is it that celebrities are so weird? Recently, I heard another pastor talking about this, and it kind of got me to think, and I went out and did some research. Did you know that there's actually a celebrity who, when he dies, he has already had a pyramid made so that when he dies, he can be put into that pyramid and be encased in a pyramid? 
There's actually a celebrity that when she eats salads, she puts cockroaches on them and eats them. That's just weird, right? Okay? Can I get a little feedback? Is that a little weird? Anybody else? If, if you eat cockroaches on your salad, please come see me afterwards, okay? Uh, there's another celebrity that uh, when she gets up to a door, uh, she uses her elbows to open it because she's such a germaphobe. And there's another celebrity who, when she brushes her teeth, she brushes them with strawberries because she thinks they will make her teeth whiter. That's just weird. Now, why is it that people who become famous all of a sudden get weird over the course of a lifetime? I would submit to you that the reason why all that weirdness happens is because we were not designed to be worshipped. God has not created you and I to be worshipped. Now, for the sake of our discussion this morning, I want to define SD worship as worship that focuses on this life. It tends to focus on stuff and upon people. If you think about it, we tend, if we're not careful, to worship actors and actresses who become famous. We tend to worship athletes that are really awesome. We worship our teams, our sports teams. We worship politicians. We worship CEOs in business. We worship authors. We worship uh, bloggers. We, uh, we can even get to the point, did you know that there are actually such thing as celebrity pastors? And you can get to the point where you're so much a celebrity as a pastor that people will put you up on a pedestal. Now, you may be thinking, well, I have never put an altar up in my home, and I don't bow down and worship to that, whatever, you fill in the blank. But here's the deal. When you put anybody, any person, or anything up on a pedestal, you are settling for SD worship. And the truth is that you and I were designed to worship. We were designed to worship, but not to be worshipped. And what happens is, is when we put people up on the pedestal, they can't handle the pressure. They can't handle and bear all of that weight of that celebrity status over the course of a lifetime. And so they crack under that pressure. Now, we put people up on pedestals because we're looking for unconditional love, unconditional support, unconditional acceptance. We're looking for value, and we're looking to honor. And the truth is, is if you think about this, there's something inside of you that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, when you're in the woods, and it's a beautiful day, and you hear the, the stream running through the woods, there's a sense of awe that begins to happen there. When you're at a beach scene and you look out over the horizon and you see the beautiful sunset coming, there's deep feelings of, wow, that's awesome. Wow, that's beautiful. Maybe perhaps for you, it's when you hold that child for the first time or a brand new infant in the first few weeks and months, and there's that overwhelming sense of awe and splendor. Maybe it's when you fell in love for the first time and there was just that sense of, ugh, I've got this desire within me to place gratitude, to place thanks, to place appreciation toward others, to something. And the challenge is, is when we don't place that in the right place, we end up settling for SD worship. Here's how this plays out. We look for others around us. Maybe you say, you know what, I got this covered. I'm not worshiping any sports teams. I'm not worshiping any athletes. I'm not worshiping any uh, celebrities. 
The challenge comes when we put our spouse upon a pedestal and we look to them to complete us. The challenge is, is when we put our child or our children up on a pedestal and we're looking for them to complete us or we live vicariously through them, they're not meant to bear that much adoration. They're not meant to bear that kind of load. If you're looking in your bank account, if that's on your pedestal, if your body is on their pedestal, if you say, you know what, I'm going to give everything that I've got to have maintaining a healthy body, if food is on your pedestal, if technology is on your pedestal, wherever you find yourself, whatever you find yourself putting on a pedestal, it was never designed to bear that. Now, the interesting thing is, is that this, the instinct to worship shows up in all kinds of interesting places throughout the course of our lives. And if you pay attention to this, you'll start to notice it. It shows up when we go out on social media, doesn't it? I mean, you go out and you look at the Facebook, you look at uh, Twitter, you look at Instagram, you look at whatever social media outlet it might be, and you see what they have and where they go and what they do, and you wish you had that, and you wish that you could go to that location, and you look at, oh, there's their new bedroom, look how awesome it is, oh, I wish I had that, and you begin to envy that, and you begin to want that, you begin to wish that you could have that you look at their marriage, you look at their uh, family, and the, oh, look at this, isn't that just perfect, isn't that just awesome? Here's where I see it a lot of times, Pinterest. Did you know that you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on a two-year-old's birthday party? <laughs> you look at that and you go, you know what I'm talking about? You go and you go, dear Lord, is it the king, the king or the queen's birthday? No, it's my two-year-old's. Or the engagement pictures, or the engagement party, or the, or the wedding, and you're spending tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And you look at all that, and you say, man, I wish I could have some of that stuff. And there's that sense of, there's a little bit of a comparison trap. There's a little bit of an angst there within you, because you'd like to have what somebody else has. And if you're looking for those events to complete you, if you're saying, man, if I could just have that vacation, I would feel completed. If I could just have that marriage, or if my child could just get on this team, or in that role in the play, or if I could have this experience, then I would begin to be completed. And what happens is, insidiously, we begin to put people and stuff up on the pedestals of our lives, and they were never meant to complete us. So as we get out of the gate here and get going. We're going to hit the biblical text in just a minute. I want to ask you this morning where you're putting undue pressure on others around you. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your church. Maybe you're looking at others to complete you, and you were never designed to be completed by any person or anything in this life. But the struggle is, is that we, we want that. We, we, we struggle to settle for what I would call SD worship. The thing is, is that you're actually looking, whether or not you even know this or not, you're actually looking for your Savior. But instead of a Savior, you've got your spouse. <laughs> you're looking for a Savior, but it's your four-year-old. And again, over the course of time, no one can stand up under that kind of scrutiny, under that kind of pressure, except for one. Now, 
The problem that we're experiencing today in our world is not new to our generation. This has been going on for thousands of years. In fact, when the nation of Israel was brought out of captivity, they'd been in slavery and in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. God brings them out of that. Moses and the people of Israel are now at Mount Sinai, and God comes in because he knows that if he doesn't help them out, they're going to start settling for SD worship. They're going to worship stuff, and they're going to worship people because that's what they knew from Egypt because Egypt was all about worshiping stuff and worshiping people. They literally built the carved idols. They literally put things up on pedestals. Their leaders were gods, and they worshiped them. So God comes into that 3,000 years ago, and he gives some instructions to the nation of Israel so that they will not settle for SD worship, so that ultimately they can experience HD worship. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read some verses out of Exodus chapter 20 that kind of help us to set the stage for the idea that we need to put anything that we have placed on a pedestal, we need to put that aside and put our Heavenly Father there. And again, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, if you're here exploring and investigating, I want to invite you to join us in on this conversation because this has real implications for where you find ultimate fulfillment, where you find ultimate joy, where you find yourself completed in. Because if you're like anything like me, every time you put your worship into something or someone, ultimately you will be disappointed. And you were not designed to bear the worship that others might be placing on you. So here's what God has to say in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. It says that God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God. I'm Elohim is how he uses the word there. Who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. They have been rescued by this very transcendent God and yet a very imminent God right there in their midst. He says, you must not have any other God but me. No one else gets placed on the pedestal, God says, but me. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a what? He's a jealous God. He says this. He says, I will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And then he makes some incredibly huge statements about whether or not we get this right or not. Notice what he says. He says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. How many parents do we have here in the room? Grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way up. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. Notice this, the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I, unlavish, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Parents, if you let your heart stray from worshiping God alone, what impact is that going to have on your children, on your grandchildren, on your great-grandchildren? 
when you settle for SD worship in your home, it has enormous implications. But you can also see the blessing of your heavenly Father for a thousand generations when you embrace HD worship. Go ahead and have a seat. If the person next to you didn't stand, make sure they're awake right now. Now, here's the deal. The enemy of your soul wants you to settle for SD worship. Remember what Jesus said. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Your enemy has a strategy. He wants you to put things and people on the pedestal that you pay most attention to. He'll do anything and everything that he can to distract you from worshiping your heavenly Father with your life. In fact, he even tried it with Jesus. He went after the one who we follow. And basically, in this conversation, tries to get Jesus to settle for SD worship, to shortcut what God had in store for Jesus. Notice it in your notes. You'll see it there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. It says that the, t- the devil, the tempter, the accuser, took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He showed Jesus all the glory and all the power and all the influence and all the authority that he could have. Now, it was going to be Jesus's, except he had to go to the cross and get on the other side of the cross to experience the full HD version. The enemy says, let's settle for less than. Let's go ahead and give you that now, Jesus, and we'll avoid that whole nasty death thing. Let's go ahead, Jesus, and go for the SD worship now, and we can avoid the betrayal. We can avoid the beatings. You know, Jesus, if we go for the SD version, we can avoid all the pain of the scourging. You don't have to worry with that crown of thorns. We can do away with that. Jesus, we can avoid that whole, you know, the whole cross thing where your whole body is going to be extended between heaven and earth. We can avoid all of that if you'll just experience the SD version now, Jesus. He says, if you can see all of this stuff, all of this I will give you if you will bow down and what? If you'll settle for less than. Jesus, if you'll put me, the enemy says, up on the pedestal of your life, we can avoid all that nasty stuff to come. You can still get to the same experience, but ultimately you don't have to experience all that nastiness, all that pain, all that anguish. And Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, and then he quotes the Old Testament text from Deuteronomy 6, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus refused to settle for the SD version of worship. He embraces fully the plan that God has for him, and he goes to the cross so that ultimately he can be worthy of your worship. He refused to settle for SD so that he could actually be the one to be on the pedestal of your life and actually not break under the pressure of that. 
You see, when we worship God and we put everything on Him, when He is the central focus of our lives, and we embrace that as an individual, as couples, as families, He doesn't crack under the weight of that. He has shoulders that are broad enough and wide enough and strong enough to be all that we need. He went to the cross to complete you. And you don't have to look at your spouse to complete you any longer. You don't have to look at your husband, your wife. If you're dating, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you see our natural tendency is to look at her, oh, isn't she so beautiful? And oh, isn't he just the bomb? Isn't he just great? Isn't he just awesome? And you just look at, they complete me. Oh, and I've, I've heard it from some of you in my office in premarital counseling. Why do you go to bed? Oh, he just completes me. And you mean well, but no one completes you outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're settling for less than, the person that you're putting that on, the person that's up on the pedestal, will fail in the end. Jesus says, you worship me, you worship my Father, and we promise we will not fail you. Now, we will go through hard times. We will go through difficulties. We may wonder if he's fallen off of the pedestal when we can't always see him there in front of us. But rest assured, when he's there, he's there. And he has not gone anywhere. So if you get to the place in your relationships where you're saying, you know, if I could just have this, if my kids could just get to this place, if they could just get into this school, if they could just get on that team and have that position, if my marriage could just be like this, if you're teetering on the edge of placing your marriage, your kids, your career, your body, whatever it is that could replace Jesus on the throne of your life, you're starting to settle. You're teetering on the edge of placing weight upon people and things that were never designed to carry that weight. But when you get this right, there is a freedom to live with a high-definition amount of clarity as you follow Jesus, as you look to Him and you worship Him in everyday decisions, in your relationships. You see, here's the deal. When you spend time worshiping Jesus like He was designed to be worshiped, then you can enjoy the people around you because you're not trying to look to them for all your acceptance, for all your value, for all your love, for all your approval, you've got that in the person of Jesus. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, who is it that ultimately can heal? Who is it that can ultimately fulfill the emptiness within you? Who is it that can ultimately be there for you through good and bad and will not fail you? The answer is your heavenly Father. Jesus found that to be true, and he invites us into that as well. Now, I hear families say, in fact, I've been one who said it, nothing's more important to me than my family. Nothing's more important to me than my kids. And that sounds great on the outside, doesn't it? Guess not. It's a good statement. We like that kind of a statement. The question is, has my family replaced God? Have I put my family on the altar and do I worship my family more than I worship God? 
Do I worship anything? We say, no, I'm sitting here in church on Sunday. Well, that's great in these moments, but what about coming up this week? You see, what happens is, is we tend to place activities and events and people up there. We have to be aware of that. We have to pay attention to that because in the end, HD worship focuses on God alone. Your children, parents, hear me on this. Your children were not meant for you to worship them. They cannot handle that load. And when you place them front and center and all of your world is revolving around them, while that might sound good on the outside, what you're creating is a child-centric world. And the world does not revolve around your child or your children. Ultimately, you will pay a price and we will raise a generation that thinks they're God. So my challenge for us this morning is to place our kids, to place our spouses, to place our friends, to place our income, to place whatever it is that's right there on the altar, to set that up. You mean I have to set the Steelers and the Penguins and the Pirates aside? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I know I'm meddling now, right? I joke with other pastors around the country that it's a, it's a religion here. <laughs> they don't fully get it. But they don't have as many rings as we do either, so. All right, so. Take your family off the altar. Put the Lord Jesus there. Because HD worship focuses on God alone. And when you love God the most... When you love Jesus more than the stuff and more than the people around you, it allows you to actually love them more and love them better because you're getting this right. So in your notes, I put a very simple prayer to say, but a very hard one to live out. I want you to notice it says, Lord, help me to stop worshiping my... And you're going to fill in that blank and start worshiping you. Help me to put you first in my life. So what are you going to put there? Lord, help me to stop worshiping my husband. Help me to stop worshiping my wife. Lord, help me to stop worshiping my kids, to stop worshiping my body, to stop worshiping food. Lord, help me to stop worshiping my career my advancement in that career. Lord, help me to stop worshiping my bank account. Help me to stop worshiping my church, my groups, my pastors, whatever it might be, whatever you might put in there. What is it that's on the pedestal of your life more than Jesus? Because you're going to need help to pray, and God help me to get this right. Now, I don't want you to leave saying, so David tells me, hate my wife, hate my kids, hate my body. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying. We're talking about a priority matter here. Are we clear on that? Are we clear on that? All right. I don't want you in my office marriage crumbling because you stopped paying attention to your spouse and your kids, all right? I'm saying, what is it that has the preeminence in your life? Because very insidiously, the enemy wants to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus, 
our eyes off of our Heavenly Father. If you're visiting again today or you're, you've been here for a while and you're exploring faith and you say, okay, so what do I do? How do I begin to worship and put God up on that throne? Well, you begin by placing your faith and your trust in the one who refused to settle for less than HD life, for less than HD death, for less than an HD resurrection. And you put your faith in the one who we follow as Jesus, who gave his life so that you could have a place, you, you could have a person to complete you, to forgive you of your sin, to restore you of your brokenness, to put back the pieces of your life so that you didn't have to put all of that on a person or a thing, but you could find it sufficient in Christ. I'm going with the guy who raised from the dead. How about you? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. And there are a series of questions in your notes. I want you to take a look at them if you would. First one says, do people around you end up feeling pressure they were not designed to bear because of your unfair expectations or desire for something that they cannot provide? To what extent do you personally need to shift your focus to God as the source of unconditional love, approval, and acceptance that you need? How is that going to help you? And then ultimately, how will that impact the people around you? How's it going to help your spouse and your kids the people that are around you, if you stop relying on them to complete you and you give all of your worship, all of your adoration, if you lay all of that upon your heavenly Father, I'm telling you, this has enormous implications for the health of your relationships. They weren't designed to complete you. Only one completes you. Would you bow your hearts with me? I want to pray for you. And then what we're going to do this morning is we're going to respond in song. And we've got three or four songs here that we're going to sing together. We're not in a big hurry. We left time intentionally today to give you an opportunity to come and find a place to pray around the front, to worship in these songs. There'll be people out on either side that can pray for you and with you today. And let me just speak, you know, when you think about HD worship, maybe you thought that I was going to be talking about, you know, hey, let's raise our hands, let's clap our hands. I could have gone that direction. But I felt very impressed by the Holy Spirit to go the direction that we've gone today. But I do want you to know that when you get this right, that it frees you up to worship in this environment corporately with others around you, to be able to lift your hands, to be able to clap, because you're, all of your attention, all of your focus, all of that is placed upon the one who gave his life for us. So Father, as we come to you in prayer now, thank you. Jesus, that you didn't settle for the easy way out, that you are worthy of our worship because of your perfect life, your sinless life, because of your hideous, horrible death and the powerful, majestic resurrection. We can now place our worship fully, wholeheartedly upon you. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to worship by the way that we live, for putting our spouse, our kids, our friends, 
the stuff of this life on the pedestal of our lives. Lord, we know where we're wrestling. We know where we're looking for other stuff and other people to complete us. Forgive us and set us free from that and help us to to place you ultimately and fully upon the pedestal of our lives. You're worthy of it, and now we respond in worship. Be blessed by our prayers. Be blessed by our words that we sing together in these next several moments. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.